Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We'll endeavor to pick up where we left off last night. And uh, if you weren't here last night, you would certainly want to go back and view that or listen to that somehow because uh, it, it matters. It matters that we move ahead with God uh, with right thinking, right approach. And uh, turn with me, if you would, to Psalm chapter 27. Psalm chapter 27. Hallelujah. When Brother Copeland was here, um, and his last service was Saturday night, and in the closing remarks of his sermon, he made this statement. Now you understand he, of course, preached blood covenant with such weightiness of revelation, right? And then he made this statement, and I believe that um, it's, if we could say this, the climax of why he preached what he preached. And he made this closing statement. He said, I was born to know him. I was born to be like him. Amen. And that's what the blood covenant is all about. I said, that's what it's all about. And so that's in keeping with what I had in my heart for these meetings. And we have to realize this, knowing God, think of it, the opportunity to know him. Bring the house down a little bit for me. The opportunity to know him. It's our spiritual birthright. I'm not going to sell my birthright off for the natural that ends up leaving me weeping. Like Esau wept over what he made that exchange for. Amen. And uh, it is our priceless privilege, but our spiritual birthright to know him. And let's not just think knowing scriptures or knowing principles, as important as principles are, uh, they're to help us know him. They're not a substitute for knowing him. Amen. And this is a, a bit of what we talked about last night because we can't know him by emotions. We can't know him by feelings. I'm not talking about working up a feeling of knowing. We know him by the word and the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals him to us. And we come to know him by the spirit. That we're not seeking to know him after the flesh. Dad Hagen made this statement. He said, I think many people make a mistake by trying to know Jesus after the flesh. They want to go where he was and there's nothing wrong with going over to the Palestine area to Israel. Nothing wrong with that. But you're not good. You shouldn't know him better because you went there. <laughs> Amen. Because that that location does not reveal what the word reveals of who he is. Amen. And people try to 
handle something in the natural that helps them to know him and they're going to cheat themselves. They'll never know him that way. Amen. 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 It's by the spirit. And uh, we know him by spirit. We don't know him by flesh. And people, you know, may put a picture of Jesus, a painting of Jesus. Dad Hagen, now Dad Hagen made this statement. He says, I think it's many times a mistake because people have asked him of the several times that he had seen Jesus. He said, they said, does he look anything like the paintings? He said, none of them, cap- none of them. Why? And he says, I think it's a mistake to try to capture him after the flesh. I'm not saying people shouldn't paint him. I'm saying people should not stock anything of their spirituality on the way a painting looks. It's by the spirit we know him, not after the flesh. Amen. And, and uh, it's how we should begin to move with one another, that we know each other after the spirit, not just after the flesh. Then you won't have struggles with who's preaching if, if the pastor's not there Sunday. And, it, you know, if it's a what, whatever, it's a man preaching or a woman preaching and it affects or, you know, if it's not who you thought was going to be advertised, all that stuff is knowing things after the flesh. And we cheat ourselves when we keep ourselves on that natural carnal level. I've had so many through the, through the years, not many, but a, a few and, and some that have said it to where word got to me, but even some have said it to me personally and said, uh, little lady, I don't believe in women preachers. I said, me neither. Because I'm not up here as a woman. I am a woman, but I'm not up here representing women. Now, does it matter to me whether a woman ever hits a pulpit again or not? I'm not trying to blaze a path for women because I'm not trying to accomplish something by the flesh. Amen. And when, and when he said, I don't much believe in women preachers, I said, me neither. I believe in anointed ones. Anointed. Because I don't believe in men preachers if they're not anointed. I don't believe in women preachers if they're not anointed. I don't believe in a preacher because of what gender they have. If Without the anointing, no yokes get destroyed. It's about the anointing. It's about knowing, moving by the Spirit and accomplishing things by the Spirit. And to know him is by the spirit. It's not by feelings, but as we get in his presence, there will come feelings, but it's not the feelings that help us to know him. And it's not the the feelings that dictate how spiritual we are. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we were talking about last night that we want to make sure that we don't prize. Listen, we do prize principles of faith. But principles of faith does not mean you know him. Being able to list steps to take. Those are, that doesn't mean we know him. They help direct us to the one we're to know. And they help us to be skillful with what the one we know has made ours. But principles are not him. Amen. And uh, the principles of faith are steps to be taken Uh 
but principles are not to be focused on. He's our focus, but principles are steps taken for the principles are point us to him. Amen. Psalm 27, verse 8, and I'm going to read out of the Amplified. It says, you have said, seek my face, inquire for, look, listen to this, and require my presence as your vital need. My heart says to you, so he's waiting for the response of what he offers. My heart says to you, your face, your presence, Lord, will I seek. Inquire for and require of necessity and on the authority of your word. How many of you know he's in us? He's in us. So for us in the new covenant, it's about turning toward and turning our attention and focus toward the one that is in us and toward his word that reveals the one who is in us. Amen. 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 Uh, because we can have someone, we can have this great one in us and never really know him. Why do people end up in the divorce court? They never really learned the one they were in covenant with. Being in covenant doesn't mean you know someone. And him, us being the temple of him doesn't mean we know him, that we can be in covenant, belong to him and still never really know him. We know him as far as we seek to know him. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> when Billy Graham turned 80 years old, because he went home to be with the Lord, well, well over, uh, over 100 years old, I believe, was he? Or high 90s or, yeah. But when he turned 80, Larry King had him on his uh, broadcast on his 80th birthday. And Larry King made this statement. He said, there are a lot of men who get to the latter years of their life and lament how they've lived. And he said, it must be so fulfilling for you to be able to look at over how you've spent your life and be fulfilled when other men are lamenting how they've spent their life. And Billy Graham made this statement. He said, I am the greatest failure among all men for I was too much with people. I was too much doing meetings and in crusades. I was not enough with God. If I would have been more with God, the people would have sensed more of God about me. Now that's what he said at 80. Let's not wait till we're 80. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Because we can get so busy doing the work, loving the work and missing out on this wonderful spiritual inheritance of knowing him. Not to say that Billy Graham didn't know God, but to say he was saying, I cheated myself. There was more I could have done to know him and been more with him. Because if we learn this, if we become so sensitive, skillful in our approach to him and yielding to him, responding to him, you don't have to work near as hard for him. 
because a greater degree of him flows through you, accomplishing what you couldn't have done by multiplied hours that he can, he can in a moment do what you couldn't accomplish in months. Amen. Praise the Lord. I can look back at times for me in my life that when I would go through certain tests and certain ones I'm thinking of in particular, that there were four that were really, um, for me, weighty tests that came against me. And I was reading all the books I could read and I was asking all the questions I could ask and asking questions of my husband at times and searching, listening to all the tapes I could listen to, to try to find, really at that time I was looking for relief. I wasn't really looking for victory, I was just looking for relief. And I found myself doing all I could do, quoting everything I could quote, confessing all I could confess, reading all I could read, and nothing got better. I'm just talking, there was nothing changing. And I began spending time not trying, just being with him. And I would lay, literally, I told my husband, I said, there's such harassment coming to my mind that the only way I get peace is to get in the spirit. Not confessing, confessing didn't give me the peace. I had to get in the spirit. And I said, that's the only time I get relief. And so I would wake up and that's the first thing I would do. I would turn every bit of myself in his direction. And all throughout the day, I would go back and make sure I never got too far out of the spirit. Because if I got any, if I got too far out of the spirit, that harassment and torment would come back into play. And I would lay for hours. Once I got into that place of peace, I would just lay for hours still. Just, I didn't want to leave that place. Amen. And uh, what was I doing? I was just staying in his presence. I didn't know all my answers yet. I didn't know all the steps I needed. But if I just got in his presence, there was a protection from what? The assault on me while I was learning. While I was learning. Is there, is there help for young Christians who don't know all the confessions or don't know all, they don't have the skill yet. Is there protection? Absolutely. Get in his presence because it will safeguard you while you learn. It will be a place of refreshing from the heat. Dad Hagen told us, and you, we heard it in services, we heard it on tapes, and those of you who have followed his ministry heard this, but we have to go back to this because we can't dismiss this if we're going to have full measure in the revival we're in. Dad Hagen said he told her times that 
his congregation would sit for an hour or an hour and a half. Nobody would move. Nobody would talk. No babies would cry. And they had no child care in those days. And there was not a sound made. And then he made this statement. People would say, what's the use of sitting quietly? No one said anything, no exhortation, no preaching. What was the use of it? You're just occupied with his presence. Your attention and focus is there. And Dad Hagen made a statement. He said, when those times would come, he said, I would go for a year and a half in that glory. Why? Because when you get in the glory, it's not to leave it there. It's to saturate you so that your life becomes that flow. Now, notice, notice he said after those times there, he said, I would go for a year and a half in that glory, the glory of that one service. When he said that, it dawned on me because when he came to our church, in 2003 and he was here for a week after those services I recognized for a year and a half I was in another place I'm talking about in my in my fellowship with God in there was a tangibility there was a weightiness there was something that was imparted we were we were lifted into another place in the spirit. And I went in that and I said, isn't that interesting? It was a year and a half I went in it before I recognized that it kind of weaned, so to speak. God doesn't want it to wean. If we will just keep refreshing ourselves in that. And that's what Dad Hagen said, those times of quiet and stillness that people get antsy in. You know, the flesh is wanting to move or do something. There's a prayer. I don't know if he's here tonight because uh, his job might, he may be here. Um, but I, I so appreciated it. We had a service a couple of weeks ago here and my son Grant did it. It was when Morgan was in Florida, I believe, for the holidays. And uh, Grant did the midweek service and he was going to teach. But uh, when he got up to do the service, there was just a spirit of worship. And so we just worshiped and Grant recognized that flow and didn't try to do something. And you know, that's not always easy on the flesh when, especially when you're learning and you're just younger in ministry, you feel like you've got to do something and deliver something and bring something to the people. But he just, he just sat back and let the Holy Ghost move and we just sat and we worshiped. We sat in the presence of God and there was a tangible anointing on that. And then he called at the end of that, he called for anyone who had pain in their body and he ministered to them, laid hands on them. And I, I so appreciate this, what this one precious congregation member just said to me maybe a week ago. He said, Pastor Nancy, I wanted to thank you for the way you raised your children. Because he said, because your son obeyed God in that service and was sensitive to the Holy Ghost, my wife and I both needed healing and we got healed because of the way you raised your son to honor. See, things are received in that glory. Pastors, we're raising a congregation. And it's important that we raise them to 
know how to sit in the presence of God and let his presence and glory do what no sermon can deliver. Not to diminish a sermon, but these each have their flows and they each bring their supply to the life of God's people. And a sermon will never bring to you what just sitting in the presence of God will do. And just sitting in the presence of God will not renew your mind. That a sermon does. They all have their role. And in your marriage and in your family, there's many aspects to the way your family functions and operates. You know, when Ed and I got married, he was on the road so much. But I understood this. I didn't marry him to not be with him. And there were times that we understood that we had to make effort to be together because the phone call would not do. Because just sending a gift would not do. We had to be in the room and just be there. And there's a time that confessions just won't substitute for when you just need to sit and be with the one who purchased us. And just be there. Just be there. And you remember when you first fell in love with that one. You, all you wanted to do was just be where they were. You didn't have to go. You, you didn't even care. Listen, my husband did something. I look back on it and kind of chuckle because I didn't know my husband well. He, didn't, he, he said he didn't like playing games and things. And that came because his childhood was not a, ha- it, it was not a home that had games in it. It was had, it's a home that had heartache in it. And they were just trying to survive. But in a happy home, a lot of times you find they just sit and play games together. And just to be in that, there, there's, there's something that's strengthened and fortified just when families together doing things that, that they enjoy. There's a, there's a value to that. And so when Ed and I first, he flew to Texas to meet me. I mean, we had met, but he came down. He had, uh, it was the first time he had basically come to see me. And in our family, we play games. We play games. And so my sister, we were at my sister's house, her and her husband, and she had the croquet set set up. Rematch, brother, you're going down. It was a fluke. It was dark. I couldn't see. And mercy has run out. And and my sister had the croquet game set up. And I said, and we, we all went out and just played croquet together. We didn't know each other. And that gave us a setting. And we all just went out and played croquet and he played and we had a good time. I didn't know till I married him, he hated games. <laughs> but just to be with me. He did what he might not would have done naturally just because he would have done anything to be where I was at at that time. You understand what I'm talking about? In our fellowship with God, it might not be natural or easy for you to sit still, but just to be with him just to be mindful of him, just to let him 
minister and you minister to him and, and, and him minister to you, you will do things that might not have been naturally something your flesh would have looked after to do. Amen. For the re eternity. You know why he built our mansions in his mansion? To be with us. He wants to be with us. Let's return that. I want to be with him and I don't want to have to wait till I get to heaven to do it. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> My husband made this statement. Because when congregations have those times when you are in a service and all of a sudden a quietness comes and a reverence comes and it's weighty. It happened when we were in St. Petersburg, Russia and it's that time I had preached one night on the sin of worry in St. Petersburg in his church. And at the end of that service, just a holy reverence. And I don't know, they have maybe around a thousand people in there. And uh, it just went still and it went quiet. And Ed always taught us, he said, when that happens, Jesus walked into the room. Not just when people go quiet, but when there's that weightiness of reverence. And uh, then brother, Pastor Ike saw him and Jesus said to him, and he said, tears were streaming down Jesus's face and said, this is one of the primary reasons that my people don't receive what I provided for them. It's because of the sin of worry. But he was, when he came in, it changes the atmosphere. When things aren't going the right way, you can, you can set the atmosphere for it to be changed. Acts chapter 13 and verse two. Acts chapter 13 and Verse 2. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. So they've been there long enough to skip a meal or two meals or however long. They took time. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, and Dad Hagen would say to us, in ministering to the Lord, that's the atmosphere when the Holy Ghost will say something. Many times people are saying, I don't know what, I don't know what clarity, I don't know what direction, I don't know what to do next. Then we need to take time to minister to the Lord because we're positioning ourselves that if he has something to say, then we're in the setting that he will speak in many times. Dad Hagen talked about how in pastoring, he said, we used to close out every service with people coming around the altar and worshiping, praying and worshiping. And he said, people, he said, we didn't do all the counseling that people do today. He said, because people got their answers. Why? Because when you minister to the Lord, he turns around and ministers to you your answer. Because what you sow, you reap. If you need to hear something, if you need something ministered to your life, minister to him. 
not to earn it, but to realize that when we minister to him, he turns around and in turn ministers to us. Brother Copeland made this statement interesting to think about. He said, the Lord needs to be ministered to, talking about Jesus, because he said he's still a man. There is a man in the Godhead. And he said that while he was here. Psalm 65. Psalm 65. We're just going to go to a few scriptures tonight. How about that? Psalm 65, verse 1. The King James says this. Psalm 65, verse 1. It says, praise waiteth for thee, O God in Zion. The Amplified says this, to you belong silence. The submissive wonder of reverence. What happens when we just sit silent in his presence? It is an act of reverence. It's an act of reverence which today's society knows little about, just naturally. If you're invited, and they'll tell you if you've ever watched anything on the royal family, if you're invited to Buckingham Palace for a meal and you're hosted, you don't talk to the queen first. You sit in silence until she speaks to you. What is that? It's an act of reverence for her position. So for us to come, it's appropriate for us to come and just sit silent in the presence of God. Why? It's an act of reverence for the one we're approaching. And what is it that Pastor Debbie, your dad used to say all the time? You ain't got nothing. He said, she said the kids at the dinner table would start talking. He said, be quiet. You don't have anything. Show me. Why? You, you're, you're a child in this, in this setting. I'm the adult. Don't sit and do all the talking. And that's an, he was teaching his children reverence for who was at the table besides them. And too many times, I think we cheat ourselves by not being skillful in this show of reverence. Amen. And it's appropriate because we always think we've got to be making a faith confession. Faith confessions are right, but there's a time and a place of how these things are expressed so that we experience all the flows that God has for, uh, for our lives and for our fellowship with him. Amen. So the Amplified says, talking to God, to you belongs silence. The submissive wonder of reverence. Now notice what happens after in reverence you've sat silently, which bursts forth into praise. That when you sit in his presence and you just reverence, praise starts flowing. It's not something you conjure up. It is something that flows because you realize the presence of the one you're in. Amen. And then, uh, and I'll just read this for time's sake, Habakkuk 2, verses tw verse 20. It says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. How many of you know we're the temple? Yeah. Right? But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth hush and keep silence before him. 
Well, if he says that to the earth, what about you and your life? He's in you. Sometimes we just need to hush. Why quit saying what we know and let's listen to the one who knows it all. Amen. And sit and listen. How many times, if you watch a good interviewer, all they do is they set the setting for the one they're hosting to talk. And when you find a poor interviewer, you find someone who's always over speaking their guest, cutting them off, not letting them finish a thought. Amen. And sometimes we just need to hush and quit over talking. <laughs> yeah. Isaiah chapter 40. Go with me. I'll let you turn there. Isaiah chapter 40. And I just wanted to take some time and look at these scriptures because they refresh us in this. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 will start. And I'm going to read out the Amplified Translation. <clears throat> Isaiah 40 verse 28 have you not known have you not heard the everlasting God the Lord the creator of the ends of the earth does not grow faint or grow weary there is no searching of his understanding. What's that mean? You can search and search and search and you'll still never understand all of him. I mean, you never reach the end of his wisdom. Never reach the end for all your searching. Verse 29. This is the one. He gives power to the faint and weary and to him who has no might he increases strength. Now remember the he he's referring to. Verse 28 is describing him. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth who does not grow faint or weary. This is the one. This is the one that he will give faint. He gives power to the faint and the weary and to him who has no might. This is the one that increases strength, causing it to multiply and making it to abound. Even youths shall faint and be weary and selected young, young men shall feebly stumble and fall exhausted. The men who were trained for certain things, they were handpicked because of their, their skill and their level of ability. Even these will run to the end of theirs. Verse 31. But those who wait before the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God. As eagles mount up to the sun, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or be tired. This is not the end. Now, don't stop there. Most people stop there. But the next chapter, verse 1, listen. Listen to the one that verse 28 talked about, the creator. 
Listen to him, the one who gives you the strength, the ability you need, the endurance you need. He gives you all you need for your race. Listen. <laughs> that means quit talking. Verse one, listen in silence before me. Oh, islands and regions bordering on the sea and let the people gather and renew their strength for the argument. Let them offer their strongest arguments. Let them come near, then let them speak. Let us come together for judgment and decide the pointed issue between us concerning the enemy advancing. So he's talking about whenever you're faced with an enemy, listen, listen. Don't talk. Listen. Now there comes a time you have to talk. But the what, you know what to say after you've taken time to listen. Too many times we're trying to talk and we haven't gotten the counsel of the Spirit before. We haven't taken time to listen to the Holy Ghost prescription for us. We, if we could say this, we try to repeat previous uh, strategies or previous approaches. Now, with the principles of faith, they're, they, they're the same for every test, but there will be different emphasis on different things that the Holy Ghost will bring out for each different test. You've got to listen. I remember going through one particular test and every single day I would have to, when I would get up, the Holy Ghost would give me something that would get me through that day. The next day I'd get up and he'd say something fresh to me. And if I tried to go back to what he said yesterday, it almost seemed dead to me. It was so alive to me the day before. What is it? Listen, because he's prescribing. If you'll listen, then you know what to say when the enemy shows up because you've taken time to listen. Psalm 46, go with me. Verse one. I could just go to the verse I want to show, but I want to, I want to set, this, set the whole scene of, of what is being said before we arrive at these verses that I'm wanting to get to. Psalms chapter 46, verse one. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear though the earth be removed Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Think of that. Think of this. I mean, you talk about the great devastation that's going on all around that he's describing naturally. In the midst of all this, look at verse four. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. So he's talking about when everything is around, around you is moving, not you. Because you have a different flow. Amen. And Jesus spoke of that flow. Out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water and fountains will spring up. The, fount, the, the rivers that will bless others, but the fountains that, that bless our own lives. Verse five, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us and we can say he's in us. 
the God of Jacob is our refuge. Come and behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he's made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Look at this. Be still and know that I am God. When things are in upheaval around you, it doesn't require for you to be in upheaval. You be still. You just settle down. You be unmoved. You be unimpressed. You be unafraid. Our response to all of this is be still. That's what he's instructed us. You be still. Why? Because he's going to go to work on our behalf. Be still and know that I am God. These things that threaten and are so loud, they're not God. They don't have the word over our lives. Be still and know. Remind yourself. That's what the stillness does. You're reminding yourself of who it is that's on the inside of you and who's moving and working for you. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The definition of the word still is cease and abate. Meaning we cease from our own human natural effort and ability. Pastor Anderson this morning was talking about faith is of the heart. It's of the heart. And too many times we've learned to check off the faith boxes. Okay, we do this, we do this, we do this. How come it hasn't shown up? Because these things aren't carried out in the natural or in the flesh. They're carried out from a place in the heart. And being still get, gives you a place and time to get connected to your heart. When things are hammering on all around you. Amen. You go, Pastor Nancy, uh, all this is in the Old Testament. Go to Acts. <laughs> go to Acts. Chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. In verse 19. Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come. From the presence of the Lord. Now notice this. When we've missed it, our help is in the presence of the Lord. When we sin and miss it, that wrongdoing weakens us spiritually. It weakens us. And when we recognize we missed it and repent, he fortifies us back through his presence. Because when we go the wrong direction, something is subtracted from us. And getting in his presence puts things back. That's why it's important in a service that if your pastor just says, everyone, we're just going to sit in the presence of the Lord and we're going to worship him. God is putting things back that sin took out. Sin weakened and sin had let, made an effect and sin marks the way you think sometimes. And in, your, in the presence of the Lord, all of that stuff gets knocked out of the way. His presence is not to be run from when you miss it. 
Repent and get right back in. Get right back in. Amen. God said this to me years ago. He said, someone may look at a man who succumbs to sin and say that sin took him out. But sin didn't take him out. What took him out was his failure to start with me. If he would have started his day with me, he would have been fortified to stand against sin. Amen. Why? Because times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And we could preach that in several different ways, but let's take it personally. Let's take it personally. Amen. And then 1 John chapter 3 and verse 6 says, No one who abides, and this is the Amplified, 1 John 3, 6. It says this, No one who abides in him, who lives, remains in communion with, and in obedience to him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually commits and practices sin. If you will make time in his presence a priority in your life, and I'm talking about we're, we're always in his presence in the sense he's in us. But I'm talking about mindful of the one who's in us. If we will take time to do that, it will separate. You will, when sin comes, you won't, you won't take it. You will be fortified, fortified. Now you can make confessions, but confessions are not going to fortify you like his presence. Confession has its place, but his presence is available to us because we need it. We can't set aside his presence for principles. And think that we're going to have all that we need to succeed. We need it all. We need his presence. We need his principles. We need it all. And they all have their role and they all have their place. And in this faith life, don't forget that faith that is the strongest is the faith that flows from a heart that is in fellowship and in communion with the Father. Dr. Summerall made this statement. He said, if I were to walk up to a one-year-old child that he said, if a mother put this one-year-old child standing on this pulpit and I said to her, jump to me. He said, here I am, I'm stronger than the mother, but the mother comes up and says, jump to me. He said, the child's gonna jump to the mother for one reason, she knows it. She knows her, one reason. Not because she's stronger, but because she knows her. And he said this, if you don't jump when God says do something, you don't know him. You don't know him. As we take time to know him, this is where faith is easy. Faith is easy. Faith is easy. It's not a struggle because we know him. We know who we know whom we have believed. See, many people are just trying to believe, but they don't know the one whom they're trying to believe. We know him in whom we have believed. Amen. Believing is easy when you know. When you know him. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Psalm chapter 9, go with me. Psalm chapter 9. In verse 1. Psalm chapter 9, verse 1. I will praise thee, O Lord. Look at this, with my whole heart. Not half-hearted. Wholehearted. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Why? Because my whole heart is in on this thing. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. People who aren't glad and aren't rejoicing are not wholehearted yet. Wholeheartedness is missing somewhere. Why? Part of their heart's attention is on the difficulty or the opposition. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. This is what when I started and I was telling you when I was having times, seasons of attack and bombardment, the only relief I could get was when I was in his presence. Why? Because the enemies fall at his presence. And I would take time to get in his presence. And things that had harassed and troubled me, they couldn't reach me there. I had, God told me to do something, oh, about a year, year and a half ago or so. He told me to do something financially. And when he told me to do it, it would empty out, base, almost, almost completely empty out. It'd take me to the lowest place I'd been personally, financially, to do that. But I know God was telling me to do it. So I did it, and after I did it, for the next day and a half, the devil said, you've just now put yourself in a bad place. And I would answer him, obedience never puts me in a bad place. I answered him every time. But he would say, you're just now put yourself in a very bad place. And I mean, he would just say, I'd answer it every single time. Yes. For a day and a half, he'd say, I'd answer. He'd say, and I'd answer. After about a day and a half, God said this to me. If you would just go further in the spirit and get in my presence, you wouldn't even have to listen to that. He said, you wouldn't even have to listen to that. Wasn't that what this says? When my enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. You get in his presence and they can't reach you. Those words couldn't have reached me if I'd just gone, been a little further into the, in the spirit. This is why it's so important that pastors and his congregations, we take time to worship the Lord together, be in his presence together, because it helps people to learn that so that when they're alone, they can replicate the same process and arrive at the same place. Not only that, when we're together with everyone entering in and being wholeheartedly, wholehearted, people who don't have that knowledge or that understanding or haven't been taught the principles that we've been taught, they can receive help just because of you, of, of a corporate 
of a corporate setting that we're in. Amen? We've missed something. We've let some things slip, and it's easy to let things slip, and Dad Hagen talked about that. He said things that we used to do in our congregations, you don't see churches do anymore. So, uh, we need to make sure that we're not uh, leaving out this important flow. I know it's a little bit different for us in, this, in these services and these instruction, but we have to be reminded of these things. He is our Father. Amen. And it, it, we don't just want, re, we, we always are in relationship to him because of covenant, but it's about fellowship. It's not developing a relationship with him, it's developing fellowship. The relation is he's the father, we're the child. That's the relationship. But within that relationship has to be fellowship. And this is where faith will be a pleasure and a flow when that faith is nurtured by fellowship Amen. and not just nurtured by confession alone. Amen. Hallelujah. Dad Hagen would instruct this because I, I need to say this. Dad Hagen would say, because it's, it's the word and prayer is what we're talking about. The word and prayer. And this fellowship flow that we're talking about is part of the prayer life. But can I say it ought to be part of the word life too. God said this to me one time. Years ago, he said, talk to me about my word. Talk, don't just sit and read it and get through it. Read a phrase and worship him for it. Talk to him about that. It's not about getting through the book. It's about getting the book in. Talk to him. But Dad Hagen made this statement. He said, never pray more than you study or feed on the word or you're going to get out of balance. We need them both. But too much, if we're not careful, the way some people become mental in their faith life is not enough fellowship with the Father. That's what keeps us from getting entrenched in the mental arena when we're studying. And, and then another thing that helps us is talk to him about his word instead of just thinking about it. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is what the Lord prompted me for tonight is we're going to open up the altar area and those who are facing some things. There's an anointing here to step into that place of fellowship that you're yielding and focused on him. And if I could say this, it's fine to go up and tell him your need, but after you've done that, if I could just say this, just put your mind in neutral, focus on your spirit and focus on him and worship him and set the need aside out of the thought life and let him be the center of it. Amen. Stand with me to your feet tonight. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. We have to have instruction with this. And as Dad Hagen said, don't pray more than you feed on the word. 
they need to be, there needs to be an equal flow. Because while you're praying, not everything you hear is God. And it's the word that will help you discern and divide what you're hearing. Amen. Just lift up your hands and let's worship the Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Father, what a privilege to call you Father. We have shared the truth of your word tonight just as a refreshing, a reminding to us. That times of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. And in that refreshing, we're fortified, we're strengthened. When we make wrong decisions and go wrong directions, it takes and subtracts something from us. But your presence puts it all back and more. And so, Father, we're so hungry. We're so hungry to fulfill what you have for us. So we take the time to listen, to hear, to reverence. And we thank you, Father, that we see the spiritual truth that in ministering to the Lord, what a blessing for we're the ones that end up getting ministered to. And we so appreciate that we are blood washed, that we do have a blood covenant with you that allows us access, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can come into your presence and we purpose that 2020 will see an increase of us living mindful of our fellowship with you. Thank you for your word. You live in your word, but we also have the greater one on the inside of us. So we yield and we fellowship with you. So we come tonight. Some of us will just come and worship. Some will come and praise and some will just come and sit silently. But whatever seems right in our own hearts, we take this time in your presence. So I invite you, if you want to, you can come up here to the altar area. You can turn around at your own chair. You can sit down in your chair. But if you're going through something specifically, I would invite you, just come up to the front. And that uh, you say, it's very important. I'm at a critical time. I need to hear some answers. I need some clarity. I just invite you to come up. and. Just spend time ministering to the one who is your helper. Amen. The rest of us, let's just worship together. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father.
race set in place, uh, a marathon, and that's what we're running. It's not, a, it's not something that can be run in a moment. They always set up refreshment sta stations all along the way for those runners. Times of refreshing are needed to refresh us in our race. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just lift up our hands and worship Him tonight. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. 
we thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 
Trinidad Hagen's writings, he referred to the lost art of waiting. And he said that's an art that needs to be revived in the church is the lost art of waiting before the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're just going to tonight, we're just going to allow you to, you can sit here a little while if you want, or you can be dismissed if you want. But uh, Dad Hagen always said this, uh, don't be a hurry to come out from under. Stay in that vein as, as long as you can. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful. We're so, so grateful that we leave this place changed, fortified, strengthened, refreshed. And it's how we're to run our race in the Spirit, mindful of the greater one, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So we purpose to if, if, need, if need be, readjust what we've been focusing on. You are our great joy. And we worship you and we thank you for your blessings. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. As we said, you're welcome to be dismissed or you're welcome to just sit here for a while. Whatever seems good to you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.
We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.